he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. get me a gay mickey gotta get a gay well hello and welcome to another episode of in the details a celebration of nuance where each episode i queen out on all of the acting choices micro moments and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great my name is colin drucker your name checking the book yep still barbara bell gettys and uh it's so nice to be back it's so nice to be back i mean uh and i didn't really go anywhere but uh, my intentions at the early stages of this pandemic to be um, wildly productive and creative and producing tons of thoughtful, meaningful content um, were delusional, uh, at least for the last few weeks. I mean, I've definitely still been doing a lot of podcasting. So if you've heard me on All Right, Mary, we've been covering season 12 of Drag Race uh, and doing after shows on Patreon and our nuance uh on Nuance, our after show, which is, that would make sense that that's where we're doing our after show, is our after show. Um, and also doing Best Supporting Podcast with Nick Kachanov, uh, covering Best Supporting Actress winners and nominees, doing my life's work every week. Uh, we just kind of had a double header of Ingrid Bergman because we talked about Cactus Flower, which Goldie Hawn won an Oscar for, and uh, Bergman co-starred in. We're on a, like a last name basement. basement. We're on a last name basement. We're on a last name basis, meaning, uh, and a shortened first name basis. But then we were, because we were kind of more intrigued in some ways by Ingrid Bergman in that, it was like, well, what did she win a BSA for? Knowing that she had won Best Actress Oscars previously, but... You got to, you know, team with the theme. We're talking about Best Supporting. So she won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, and uh, that was a slog. So she was great. But it's one of those, like, why? Why? Okay. Sure. Okay. It's like, it's like when Gloria Stewart was nominated for Best Supporting Actress Oscar in Titanic. It was like, well, yeah, the novelty of Gloria Stewart in a movie in the mid-90s. Okay, yeah, sure, give her an Oscar. When's the next time this is going to happen? But it, I don't know if it's like a magnanimous performance, you know? Sorry, Gloria, if you're listening. Uh, anyway, I don't want to harp on quarantine talk. I feel like if I start a sentence with, well... We're in strange times right now. Like you're just you're just gonna need to move on. You're just gonna have to hit pause, unsubscribe, and go to another podcast. Maybe. Maybe you wanna hear me talk about quarantine, life in quarantine and all of that, but I don't want to. I guess I'm going to sort of talk about it in adjacence. Is that a, that's that yeah, I like that. I'm going to speak about it adjacently because today we're gonna talk about some of the things that I have been watching and coveting in my little lockbox of nuances that I break in case of emergency. Uh, and th these are not like all-time favorite nuances, but obviously I've been, I've been cooped up like the rest of you and watching a lot of things. And we could, there's TV shows we could get into. There's lots of movies I've seen we can talk about, but I, I want to just grab some tidbits. I don't know. There's an episode I did earlier in this podcast life called um, 
MicroCrisp, another YouTube tidbits, and it was just kind of pulling some things that I had found from Indeed, a treasure trove of nuance, YouTube.com, and brought to your attention. So that's kind of what we're doing today. Um, I feel like... Some of my favorites, one of my favorite nuances that I first found on YouTube that I could play any episode and in fact tack on to the end of every episode, but is entirely relevant to these uh, strange times that we're in. I'm sorry, I had to say it, but I do feel a lot like Brenda Vaccaro in this moment. I think I'll be going, if you'll excuse me. what I said. I'm staying. I'm staying. Replace Faye Dunaway, zapping her with a finger laser with the coronavirus. And so I, um, I already had the coronavirus, by the way. I already had it. I had it in March. I know. I'm such like a COVID hipster. I had it before it was a pandemic. Um, no, I, I had it right when it was, right in the, right in the thick of it. I got it in early March and I was, uh, sick for like three weeks. I think I recorded my Lady in a Cage episode like right as I was starting to feel better. Maybe I talked about being sick in that episode, but um, I guess I just felt like a celebration of Olivia de Havilland and Anne Southern was like the only way I could think of to like reclaim my life, you know, and my life force. Um, so, I mean, I'm not living in fear uh, I would say that indeed I, I did get zapped with the finger laser of COVID and um, and I and I said, okay, that's what I said. I'm staying, I'm staying. And I stayed on the couch for as long as I could. And now, you know, I'm, uh, I just went to the supermarket today. Why am I talking about, I, I said I wouldn't talk about quarantine things. Um, but I did go to the supermarket today and it was one of those situations where they were only letting so many people in. So I had to wait in line outside, which normally I hate. But I thought, you know what, Colin? surrender you gotta just like give into this shit and I, I i will say this once i got in which didn't take terribly long it was so nice because there was like nobody in there uh the supermarket being of course uh really the only place to go when going out so uh usually they're a little more crowded but this was kind of nice um all of that is reminding me of another nuance from YouTube. I think I'm, I'm going to call that a segue. Um, but another very relevant <laughs> moment from 1993's Body Snatchers. I have, I have been wanting to talk about this moment forever. And now that we are in these uh, strange times, I'm sorry. I should put a quarter in a swear jar for that. Uh, I, I feel like it is even more relevant. And so here is the magnanimous Meg Tilly being prophetic in 1993. Carol! We gotta go! We gotta get out of here! We gotta go right now! Listen to me, Steve. No, you don't understand! We've gotta go! Go where? No, we gotta go! What the hell are you talking about? Steve, this is important. Go where? That's right. Go where? What happened in your room? Are you listening? What happened in your room is not an isolated incident. It is something that is happening everywhere, everyone. So, where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna run? Where are you gonna hide? Nowhere. And maybe Invasion of the Body Snatchers is not something you feel like you want to revel in in these strange times. 
Um, but maybe you're also one of those people who just like, as soon as this all started, you just start, you were like, well, let's watch Outbreak. Because that's what I did. I watched Outbreak. And I, I know I talked about this in the last episode. Outbreak, it, it bears repeating, Outbreak is a very optimistic version of a pandemic because they localize it to one small town. Anyway, as things are feeling kind of ooky and spooky, sometimes you got to just lean into it with some ooky and spooky music. Uh, now, uh, I love spooky music. I love scary soundtracks. Uh, I highly recommend, and I know I'm a subjective point of view, but I highly recommend my episode. Oh my God, I'm recommending my own episode. Oh God, Colin, get over yourself. But if you like spooky synths and other soundtrack surprises, you should go listen to my episode on of In the Details called Spooky Synths and Other Soundtrack Surprises. It's less about me and more about the soundtracks. They're really good. So there's this movie, it's this Italian movie called Alien 2 uh, on Earth. And it's um, there's no real connection to the movie Alien, but you know it's that kind of thing where uh, they can tie it in via the marketing. So uh, the soundtrack, I mean, the main theme, the music is done by Guido and Maurizio De Angelis. I said that like I say it all the time. Uh, practiced all night, didn't get any sleep. So let me know how I did. Uh, but... The, there's some other like there's some there's some bops on this album but what i particularly love i discovered this by watching the trailer and i was like whoa what is this i need this like all the time um i need this while i'm like on the treadmill if i ever ran on a treadmill and if i ever get the opportunity to again but this is uh this is my kind of music this is the kind of thing where i i sit up in my seat and i listen to the whole thing What I love is repetition. I just love, it's like if you find something that sounds like a little four or five second concept, just repeat it over and over. Put a couple variations in just so it doesn't get monotonous. Put a key change in or two just to keep me awake. But otherwise, it, it stick to what stick to what I like. Stick to what I like. Um, there's another example of this, actually. There's a, a, a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Is from this another bizarre Italian horror movie called Ghost House. I think Ghost House is like from 1988 or something like that. Um, it is. Wow. Uh, the useless information you retain until it's useful. But I... Okay, so there's two things. First of all, there's three things. First of all, Ghost House is insane. 
Um, if you have Amazon Prime, it's available on Prime Video for free. I highly recommend it. I think it's also on YouTube. I don't think it's hard to find this movie. It's, it, I could do potentially a whole episode about it, but I'm not going to. We're just, we're just doing t- YouTube tidbits. This is tidbits. This is just um, tapas, you know? It's just tapas. Uh, I think I've made that point clear. So, uh, wackadoo movie involves a, a haunted doll. Involves a haunted doll who sounds like this. I'm pretty sure the doll is asking, "Are you there, Rob? Are you there, Rob? Are Rob? Are you there?" Um, I don't know who Rob is, but. Uh, he wants that. That's that's the biggest concern of this doll is trying to find his friend Rob. Uh, he never shows up. He must be a ghost. Uh, but there's also this music from the movie that stick with me here. At first, you're like, I don't know. And I'm gonna. I was like, how much of this am I gonna play for them? But I'm gonna give you a lot of it. And at first, it's like, eh, okay, I got it. But then, like, let it layer in. Let it layer in and let it just wash over you. Um, trust me on this one. Well, while we're keeping things kind of spooky, uh, 
I've actually been watching a lot of depressing movies during all of this. I don't know why. Some of it's just been because of, um, for Best Supporting Podcast, for example, uh, I had to watch, like, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? and uh, Midnight Cowboy when we did the Cactus Flower episode because there were nominees for both of those movies for Best Supporting Actress, which, I mean, maybe we could segue into that for a second um, because Midnight Cowboy in particular, and I apologize if you've listened to me on the two or three other podcast episodes in which I've talked about this, I will try to make it brief, but Midnight Cowboy is a fantastic movie. Oh, it's so good. Talk about music. Okay, so I talked about this, I, I don't know, some Patreon episode of All Right Mary, or maybe it was Best Supporting Podcast, but there's a song from Midnight Cowboy, uh, Harry Nilsson's Everybody's Talking, and I have just become so obsessed and I love how much it's in the movie I'm going to play it for you here now this is a nice little bit of an upper little bit of a palate cleanser from some of that spooky music we listened to earlier everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying only the echoes of my mind now, in terms of ladies in Midnight Cowboy, really it comes down to Sylvia Miles and Brenda Vaccaro. And, like, that's a sentence I don't mind saying. That, you know, if your selection is Sylvia Miles and Brenda Vaccaro, you're doing pretty well. Sylvia Miles is haunting in particular in this movie. There's This is another strange nomination, somewhat reminiscent of Ingrid Bergman in Murder on the Orient Express, where if you didn't know this role was nominated, you probably wouldn't assume so. Um, maybe more so Ingrid Bergman, because she really is the best part of Murder on the Orient Express. But Sylvia Miles is in about six or seven minutes of Midnight Cowboy. She's this random, you know, woman in New York who uh, John Voight's character Joe meets trying to, you know, hustle women for money. She does not know that he's a hustler. He does not know she does not know that. And so he goes back to her apartment with her, um, and they have... um, it's just such a like a, a strange afternoon together like it just it's the kind of it's the kind of scene where it's not that it's wildly explicit but i felt like once it was over it was like I, my mental state was like i was like walking the sidewalks of the upper west side feeling like what or maybe it was the upper east side let's be real uh of the upper east side just feeling like what the fuck just happened to me like that's what this scene makes you feel it's so disorienting and she is so sort of garish and aggressive and potentially a terrible scene partner. But for some reason, it's it's just a fascinating little moment. And uh, I highly recommend Midnight Cowboy, if anything, just to witness that. But also, let's, let's honor. Let's honor the bright light that is Brenda Vaccaro in Midnight Cowboy. I think that she's probably potentially the most sympathetic character. She plays a woman that they... That Joe and Rizzo meet at a party, and she ends up hiring Joe, and they have a um, kind of a lovely evening together. Uh, it's it, she. I feel like there, there's there's lots of gay undertones in the movie, and I feel like she. It just feels to me that she's the most on to maybe some of Joe's unresolved sexuality, you know, and we see it in a very non-judgmental way, especially for the period, because there's a lot of of not gay friendly dialogue in midnight cowboy. And I know that it's like contextual and it's all of the time. And, and 
um, a couple of you know a um, couple of guys living in a uh, in a slum somewhere in like the Lower East Side of New York in the late 1960s are not going to be politically correct about how they refer to gay people. Ultimately, a pretty depressing movie. Like it does not end on a high note. I could say the same for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Wildly depressing. I, I can't even like recommend it. Like it's it's a great movie, but like maybe not right now. You know, um, another ooky spooky depressing creepy movie that I'm sure you uh, really want to be recommended is Alice Sweet Alice from like 1973. Uh, most well known probably because a very young Brooke Shields appears in the movie as Alice. Um, it was a fairly small role. Um, or is she Alice? No, I think she's the sister. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to dive too deep into Alice Sweet Alice, except to say that A, it's super disturbing, and B, it is worth seeing. There's this one moment. There's this one moment that I feel like it's worth seeing. The whole, it's a good movie, but it's like I'm recommending it, but maybe for like a better time. But like there's one thing you have to see, and that is um, the character of Aunt Annie. She now what's what I love about her the most. She's so over the top. She's sort of she's not really a villain, but she's not a wildly sympathetic character. But she, without ruining everything, she does the emotional lifting of a fairly intense scene involving the discovery of a body. She has this. There's this one close up of her. If you watch it, this is what's to watch for. There's this one close up of her, like just totally aghast as her she's like yelling out to another character like oh my god you know so and so's dead and it's one of those examples of a supporting character getting to own the emotional weight of a scene um but i I think another like small totally unrelated example is there's a great scene towards the end of the remake of suspiria uh in which Mrs. Tanner, played by Anna Winkler, uh, has this great like face journey, kind of where essentially everything that has happened the night before is kind of being processed with her. It, it, and she's not like a tiny character, but she's not the main character. Anyway, uh, it's one of my favorite things, and uh, we get that here as well. And while we're on the topic of some of my favorite things, uh, this came up on a recent episode of Best Supporting Podcast where... Nick was talking about watching these compilations on YouTube where someone has like um, like a video compilation of, you know, all of the best supporting or best actress winners um, or like who that person thinks should have won. And now these compilations are hands down, I mean, everything, everything that I love. The editing, the music, so, I mean, and it's, you know, there, there's not like a huge genre of them. I could take more if they existed, but in general, the format of having about three to four seconds featuring each actress and kind of having each of those kind of being a montage of, it's always like uh, a dramatic turn and look or a looking up or a tear falling or yelling. Like it's, it's always an Oscar moment. That's what I love about these compilations is because I all, I love the concept of an Oscar moment. I love the idea of, it's such a, it's like a myth. It's not a real thing, but it's something that I've attached myself to is that there is in an Oscar winning performance, there is a moment you can identify, especially for best supporting actress. There's a moment you can identify of when she won it. Like what there, there's, there's a thing that just like hooks it into the, into the upper echelon of acting, you know? Um, Or it's probably for me on a personal level, it's like, that's what made me kind of 
you know, notice. That's when I, when, when some kind of little like whistle tone went off for me and I was like, oh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing something here. This sounds, this sounds like something an actress sexual would be interested in because I have come to recognize and, and feel great comfort, honestly, in knowing that there is a concept of actress sexuals, which of course transcends all, all, all genres and genders, you know? Um, but that's, I, I, deeply i deeply identify with that and so these videos are i mean i guess they would be for an actrosexual they would indeed be just hardcore pornography you know i also love that the music for these is oh there's it's like there's a short list of songs that you have to use in these compilations and it is usually something from the piano like this And then it'll transition into usually, um, if it doesn't use another song from piano, like if it doesn't use this. Then we usually will get like Philip Glass, we'll probably get, you know, the theme song from The Hours. And this is all just, I mean, it's its like I, I could not have asked for more. This is everything I want it to be. If anything, I wish these compilations were longer. I wish we got like 10 or 15 seconds with each lady and we got more audio clips. Because a lot of it is obviously the music is playing over the clip. But then every once in a while, um, they'll kind of allow the audio from one of the clips to play. And it's often a lot of the same ones. Usually like when there's a Best Supporting Actress compilation... Um, once they get to Eva Marie Saint in the 50s for On the Waterfront, they'll play her clip of saying, I want to know who killed my brother. Often when they're showing, it's not an audio thing, but often when they're showing uh, Faye Bainter for winning her Best Supporting Actress Oscar for Jezebel in the 30s, there's always a clip of her like looking up dow like really dour from like a bowl of soup. Uh, I always love that. And also it's like when they have the compilations where it's, um, you know, who should have won or who the person wants to win. There are certain years that I'm watching for and I'm like, okay, I understand there's all, there's always personal preference, but can you please still just like give it to Sandy Dennis for who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Can like, we not be petty about this? You know, can we, can we recognize excellence where excellence lies? You know, like if, if, if you get to the seventies and if I don't see Beatrice straight, saying either over the music or under the music i'm your wife damn it then i i, I can't like i can't keep watching i can't support this um what i love is there's one where especially once it gets into like the late 80s early 90s oh the choices the the, the opportunities for michelle pfeiffer that i were like yeah okay yeah what if that did happen that, what if that did happen? That would be nice. Um, so these are, I mean, there is this one guy on YouTube. I will, um, I'll put a link. I'll put a link to a playlist that I created. I created it for Nick because we were talking about this on Best Supporting Podcast. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I started queening out. I was like, I need to send you, I need to send you as many as I can find. Um, because that's just like, this is like 20 odd years of a beast 
looking for fellow beasts to awaken with. You know what I mean? Like, this is stuff that I've been obsessed with forever. And so if somebody's like, oh, yeah, I saw these videos where it's like a compilation. Like, I don't even let them finish the sentence. I'm like, I know, right? Of best actresses. Or who should have won? Like, it's it, it's all pent up. And so I want you all to have that same experience. So I'm going to put the link to this playlist in the description of this episode. Um, but there's one channel, this one guy, Andre Borgia, um, which just you know it's spelt just like it sounds uh but he's got a bunch of these and they're he's kind of the gold standard i found um but anyway honestly like especially during these strange times i can't believe i said it again these are a profound comfort So there's just a couple tree things just to, you know, wet your whistle. I am feeling very much back on the wagon for in the details. Um, I have some episodes coming up with guests. Uh, I, I know I've gotten this whole episode without talking about Shit's Creek. Um, and that is because my best supporting podcast co-host and past in the details guest, Nick Kachanov, will be joining me where we can queen out specifically on the post-series documentary that... Uh, I mean, I, I subscribed on iTunes, so like once the final episode was posted, so was this post-show doc. Um, and it is, uh, God, I, it, it's the gold standard. I feel like I've said gold standard a lot this episode, but I'm just, you know, uh, what can I say? I'm uh, J.D. Power and Associates over here. But I, in terms of like a retrospective on a TV show, this is how you do it. I cried so much. I cried so much. And there's so much crying in the thing, from the cast, every the real people, the, the actors, every it's just exactly what you want when a show that you love ends on a high. It's exactly what you need to say, okay, but this is the goodbye I needed. It's so good. So Nick and I are going to queen out about that soon. And then I have a Barbara Harris-related episode coming up, uh, which more details coming. But if you want to prepare, I highly recommend you track down a – I don't know if it's obscure, but it's not like – I don't know how popular it is, but it's great. It's this um, early, I think it's from like 1970, I think, but early 1970s movie called The North Avenue Irregulars. I've definitely talked about it before. Barbara Harris is in it. Uh, Cloris Leachman is fantastic in it. I mean, it's just ladies. It's 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 such 70s character actresses. It's so good. So that is coming up with a guest with a listener, Craig, who is uh, responsible for awakening me to Barbara Harris. So um, the very least we could do is have an episode together where we get to talk about her. I'm really excited about that. Um, and, you know, uh, I got a, a bunch of other things. I am very excited to start talking about the Golden Girls. I there are There are nuances to mine there that I have not, really dove into yet but the golden girls is significant to me uh, as a little preview of that i will say that i often if there's a record to go on i would like to go on the record of saying that i do believe that rue mcclanahan is the strongest actress in the room and that's hard to say because b arthur and betty white and estelle getty are brilliant and it's not that the three of them aren't 
you know, it's just about like pure acting. I think the most nuance is coming from Rue McClanahan. But there is a clip that I was going to include in this episode because I found it on YouTube, but then I realized I needed to spend way more time on it. But there is an episode, it's one of those episodes the Golden Girls would do where they would have flashbacks to like Valentine's Day or birthday parties or Mother's Day or things like that. And so this was the birthday party episode. And this is, it's a, it features Rose having her last birthday in St. Olaf after Charlie's died and before she goes uh, to, to Miami. And it's all just Betty White. It's just a, a three-minute set piece for Betty White to have a monologue where she's speaking to her dead husband, and it is remarkable. And so I, I'm going to have a whole episode on the scene because it's, it's really remarkable, and I think, you know, and everyone knows Betty White is amazing, but I think it's some of her best work, you know, on that show or in general. There's just... Especially towards the end, boy, does she pack a wallop in like two lines, and I can't wait to dive into that. So, um, so that's all coming up. I'm really excited to, you know, I, I think with these strange times, that's the last time I'm going to say it, I promise. Uh, I feel like the longer it's gone on, the better I'm getting at it. Uh, so um, and that includes like being creative, and that includes like figuring out how to like still live some version of a normal life. And it's not about getting caught up in like the, the, the productivity thing, like how to stay productive during a pandemic. It's more of just wanting to stay sane because like I can't just lay around, you know, like I need to be doing something and podcasting is a great thing to be doing during a pandemic. So, uh, you know, there's, it, it has an alliteration to it. I mean, that just, it, it works out well. Podcasting is great for a pandemic. Uh, it sells itself. Anyway, I think that that is all I have for you today. I uh, would love to hear from you, though. I'm always excited to hear from folks about anything, even if it's just like, hey, I listen to the podcast. I really like it. Less of, hey, I listen to the podcast and I hate it. I don't really get to hear hear that one. But certainly recommendations, requests, thoughts on things I've talked about, whatever. Like, this is a safe space. Let's talk. Uh, so you, the best way to do that is to drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. You could certainly also follow me on Twitter and reach out to me there at Colin Drucker or Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Um, and I will be back next week. Uh, but until then, thank you for just this little um, heavy on the Brenda Vaccaro review of some acting choices and micro moments and magic in the minutiae that I have been finding during these strange times. Gotcha. Uh, and talk about them here on In the Details. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that that's a great way to wrap up this episode. I'll talk to you later. Bye. I'm staying, I'm staying.